Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. And welcome to our Texans postgame show. Robert Land, along with my co-host, Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. And if you're new to the party, we've been around for a while. 45 years in journalism between the two of us, over 35 years covering Houston sports. So you're in good hands. And Sean, I'm thinking maybe Kyle Allen isn't the answer. <laughs> hey, we knew. We, we knew it was going to happen, right? I mean, uh, it, it was just... Uh... The devil was in the details. Kyle Allen wasn't going to turn this offense around because, you know, early on, um, I, I think we all had this idea anyway, and it was proven early on. Kyle Allen's just a puppet for Pep Hamilton's offensive scheme and just how putrid this offense is in totality. Um, the offensive line, I don't, I can't remember now if he'd gotten sacked before uh, the end of the game, but. 20 sacks the offensive line has given up over the last month. And there's like eight teams out there that I haven't given up 20 sacks all season long. That's just how bad it is. And 16 total yards rushed for by Damian Pierce in two weeks' time against the Commanders and then in today's game. I mean, that's that, That's all you need to know. There's, there's one takeaway that I had from this one. One – there is not one player that gives you a better chance to win than the next guy from this Houston Texans team. So don't don't give me that this week, Lovey. Um, and you've got, what, seven, eight games left to go in this season? My guess is, since you didn't get to see it today, you're probably going to see Davis Mills before the month is out of December. Um, they're going to flip-flop whoever they can as uh, – Lovey will probably continue to tell us whoever gives us the most juice or the best chance to win in a given week, that's who he's going to go with. And boy, that's going to get real old real quick. You talked about the offensive line. We're going to get into that a little bit more, but front runner says that O-line is trash. It's been looking like that. And Sean, it's, it's, it's a little frustrating because they didn't look this bad early in the season. It just feels like they let go of the rope somewhere and it's not just the guys in the middle that everybody always focuses on, whether it's Kenyon Green or, you know, obviously they, they haven't had their starting center all year long. You know, we lost Justin Britt after game, was it one or two? But he, he's been gone for almost the entire year. And so that's been an issue. But you've got issues with Titus Howard now. Titus Howard has become just awful. I don't know what's happened with him. I don't know if there's an injury involved or He's just not right, or this is who Titus Howard is. If it's who Titus Howard is, boy, the, the one thing that you thought you might not have to worry about drafting is a is a right tackle this year, along with you know your left tackle on the offensive line. But maybe that's an issue now too. I, I mean, I think it's a little too early to tell. Um, and look, you you obviously saw something today that, um, you know, gave you that, helped you form that opinion. I need to go back and look at it and see exactly what you saw from Titus Howard. Uh, maybe not even just today, but last week against Washington as well. Um, I, I really kind of felt like Laramie Tunsil and Titus Howard have been two of the biggest bright, bright spots in the entire offense all season long. Um, and I'd watched them a little bit more closely than I did today. Today was Today was a real challenge. Um, I don't have like ADHD or anything like that, but it was really difficult to like stay focused and pay attention to this game at times because it was just that bad. Um, I will say this. I was, I was more or less concerned with, you know, just individuals on this team, both in both phases and really just both phases, not special teams because. I just think Frank Ross and when you're those kind of fringe guys anyway that are contributing on special teams, that's where you see the added value. That's where you create added value um, for a spot on a team. But this season's lost, and I think the players, you know, while they they wanted a change at quarterback, they wanted to inject some life in this offense and this team, they saw early on that when the Dolphins were bringing the house, when they were playing – um, you know, with a full magazine, the Texans just aren't up to par. They proved kind of to themselves that Kyle Allen's not the answer, um, that they're not that 
close. They're not ready to win. They're not that good. And it's all of the things that everybody on this team has been talking about, um, in particular, over the course of the last month, month and a half. I mean, you heard it from everybody. You heard it from the coaches, uh, et cetera. And I think that proved to a lot of people that they're really, really far away. And so what I, I kind of worry about now is, well, if you're Levy Smith, you make this quarterback change to help inject some life and keep the locker room engaged and intact. I still think it's a very difficult job, and it might have gotten that much harder after the performance in the first half by the Texans today because what you have to guard against now, and it's almost impossible to, is they're guys that go out there and they're playing for themselves. They're not they're not pulling together. They're not pulling and pushing in the same direction from a team perspective. It's about an individual game now. And so I think that's a very difficult thing to kind of uh, coach with going forward. Goyo says Texans are trash in every phase. They need to sell the team and get a real owner that cares about winning. Well, the guy that's going to sell the team is the guy that doesn't want to sell the team. So you're not going to get that dream on. You got to hope that he wakes up, but you got to hope that Casario is the guy going forward and he can put the right people in place. And we're going to see about this. And by the way, I need some comments. So let's hear from you. Um, You can also subscribe to our channel. It's the best way to support the show. We've been doing this for, I've been doing the show for nine years. We've been doing video for now almost a year. We do every Texans post game. We did all the Astros postseason post games. So we're going to make it fun. It's not just Texans. So we got other stuff to talk about. I want to talk to Sean a little bit about the Rockets towards the end of the show because I need a palate cleanse. I can't do this for a whole 30 minutes. Um, I do want to go over a few possessions, though, Sean. And, and trust me, I'm not going to bore people with a ton of specifics about the first uh, few possessions, you know, every single play. But I, I just want to go over some stuff. And the first possession, it was the usual three and out. Pep kept it vanilla, two runs on first and second down. Then Kyle Allen had to throw it away on third down. Couldn't find anybody open. Dolphins drive down for a field goal. The usual soft zone leads to a big pass pass play to set it up. I hope that soft zone is going to go the way of the Dodo bird, but the Texans next possession ends on third down when Melvin Ingram, and you asked me about it, Sean, he gets beat by Titus Howard. And it's just not that he's looked porous. He was getting trucked during this game multiple times and and that's been an issue he's either whiffing or he's getting trucked and like i said i this is a very big concern moving forward because you you have all of these holes to fill on defense in the front seven the quarterback we know you want to add something maybe to the receiving core but then you have to add titus howard along with you're looking for one one guard position and a center as i mean that is frustrating to me because I really felt like once he moved over to tackle, we would see a much better Titus Howard this year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. Um, you know, again, that's something I'm going to have to go back and rewatch. And look, at the end of the day, like you knew the Dolphins coming in uh, had above average edge rushers and interior defensive linemen. Um, they were very, very good across the board. Um, that defense has been doing some really disruptive things uh, all season long. Um, and, and so I, I'm not surprised. And look, sometimes you're going to get beat. Sometimes it's not going to be your day. Um, I don't know if he is playing through an injury. That's something that I haven't heard. But I, I would just say in general, uh, I am far less concerned with Titus Howard um, on, on this team right now. And um, again, to me, before before today, and really before I'd say um, the last couple of weeks, which I really felt like, there is a vibe, there is an aura of just deflation, um, you know, from the locker room and, and, and just from the overall energy, the feeling of having been, of having been there every single day with this team, um, you know, for the little that we are. I, I just think um, that when you, when you go through adversities like this and they're compounding now week after week, you know, first it was Cooks and then it was you know, Collins, man, he's not back yet. And boy, now we're going through a quarterback change. Really the last three, three and a half, four weeks for this team has been um, 
extra distracting, trying, if you will. And so that, that can play on some emotions. And I'm not building excuses or anything. I mean, it is a bad team. But sometimes you're going to look a heck of a lot worse or play a little less inspired football um, when all of those outside things are going on. And then, two, sometimes you're just going to get beat. The Dolphins are really freaking good. Um, Mike McDaniel's got a really good football team over there. And not once should you have ever thought in the second half as the Texans cut the lead in half that they had a hope or a prayer um, in making this a one-score game. And even if they did, uh, having a chance to pull it out. When you need two touchdowns, a two-point conversion, just to force the ball game to go to overtime, like, come on, get out of here. You're 1-8-1. and one. You're not trying to do that anyway. If Lovey Smith you know, felt like his team had any nuts, um, then they wouldn't have kicked the field goal on fourth and four. They would have gone for it, you know, from their from the Dolphins' 12-yard line or wherever they were. I mean, you know what this team is at this point in time, and Lovey Smith is just trying to string it together, keep his guys together, and he's going to have a hell of an incredible last two months to do that in this season. Who are you talking to, Sean? We're talking to Texans fans. They know they don't have a chance. Come on. <laughs> well, well, hey, I'm going to give our fans credit. They know they're watching – they had turned the television off. They, they didn't think they had a chance. I mean, there's not, uh, you've got to be the most Cinderella. Uh, uh, you, you've got to be the most positive, upbeat, like my life is just the greatest when I'm in jail and I've lost all my money. I mean, I don't know who thought that the Texans were going to come back. I was just like, like, who are you talking to? Well, who are the announcers talking to? I mean, they're trying to keep you engaged. Well, they're, they're, the announcers, they've got a job to do. They're trying yeah. to keep you to watch, watching the game. Who cares what they think? They don't sure. know anything but, about you know, the Texans. Um, you know that when you watch this team, you watch the games every week. They never know well, anything about the Texans. It's but, unbelievable. You, know, you, you do have to reiterate some of this stuff because, trust me, there are plenty of Texan fans out there that can't see the forest through the trees, you know, Um and so I had a lot of I wrote a, a couple of columns on the quarterback change this week. And just looking back at some of the commentary that um, my article was getting on Facebook and uh, some of the other social media platforms, it's pretty eye opening and like head scratching to see that people, you know, just don't understand what is really going on here. Like they still think and they believe that there is this effort by the organization, you know, to, to instill some life into this team, you know, you're, you're, it it doesn't matter what the organization does. There's no, look, I'm I'm going to make this very clear to everybody. There's no talent. There's nobody there. This team does not have talent, period. It doesn't matter. Robert, that's my point. And that, those are the fans that I'm speaking to. That's my point. And I've been writing about it all season long. It's an organizational tank. The players aren't tanking. The players aren't good. That's why it's an organizational tank. Nick Casario constructed this roster with a bunch of jags. And yeah, there's some good young talent on the team, but you see just how Damian, how good Damian Pierce is by himself without a good quarterback, without a good offensive line. He's rushed for 16 yards on 15 carries the last two weeks. You've forgotten about him. That's how bad it is. Well, it's not that they've forgotten about him. It's the fact that when he doesn't have room to run because the offensive line stinks and there's no threat that they're going to throw the ball, period, and they're not going to throw the ball down the field, and and every every possession is three and out, then how is he going to get carries? You can't make carries. You can't make yards if you don't get carries, and you can't get carries to make yards if your offensive line doesn't do anything. And, and I mean, that's, a, that's all a part of it. And, and look, Damian Pierce, I just want to say the best thing that could happen is that you don't run Damian Pierce a whole lot the rest of the way and that he doesn't get these carries because you want him fresh for when this team maybe can be a little bit better. It might not be next year and maybe two years down the road, but you basically save the tread off of the Damian Pierce tires at this point. Oh, you're right. But I don't want to hear any conversation going forward about how the guy's getting too many touches. He's carried the ball 15 times in two weeks. Well, I'm sure nobody's saying that after the last two. I mean, that conversation is now over with after the last two weeks. I think everybody sees what's going on. Um, By the way, Dolphins' next possession, they drive down for a touchdown, of course. Uh, The Texas ever spots, no. Kyle Allen, a couple of inaccurate passes. Not looking much different than Davis Mills. Texans finally force a punt near midfield, but then Kyle Allen just throws an awful interception. And, Sean, the short throw to Pierce near the line of scrimmage as he's drifting backwards 
it might have been the worst interception I've seen from the Texans over the years. And that says it was 10 feet over Damian Pierce's head. Yeah, that was that was really, really bad. Um, I, I thought Allen threw some horrible, horrible balls today. And look, they're, they weren't all his fault. You know, the guy's under pressure um, and he's trying to throw the ball away and just prevent um, himself from turning the ball over, but that's when you—that's when bad things happen. When you when, when you play to not turn the ball over, when you play um, with that just that little fraction of hesitancy in your game, and you're not out there um, in the free flow, the feel. There's no pulse of the game, and it's not like we should have expected that necessarily for a guy that hadn't started a game in you know two years and two weeks. I think since. Uh, He'd went down with that broken leg against uh, the Giants when he was a member of Washington. But, you know, like you could even say, okay, well, if he didn't take all the snaps this week, you know, would it have made a – no, it wouldn't have made much of a difference. Maybe for his overall comfort level, but the result is the result. It would have looked a little bit different, but this this, uh, change of quarterback wasn't going to really amount to very much because you still have to throw the ball to the players you have to throw the ball to. And – you still have the same guy calling plays and Pep Hamilton in this system, he is a puppet master and Allen was going to do whatever he was asked to do. Wasn't going to deviate much from the plan. I think he'd saw that he had to make a few line changes today um, when they'd showed blitz. And of course they did not, they pulled back, fell into their zone and they still took pressure off of the edge. Laramie Tunsil, Titus Howard, the tight ends, Tegan Quatoriano negated the first down on at the time was a much more important drive of the game because you weren't down by 30 points at that point. But it's those mistakes that just, you know, add up over time. And this team has a bunch of dudes that aren't going to be members of a football team in the future for another 31. They're going to be looking at the XFL or whatever United States football league is out there. And it's just not a lot of NFL talent. The Texans are kind of like this, uh, you know, the St. Louis Browns of the NFL. You know, it's like they gave a whole bunch of dudes back in the day an opportunity to play some ball for them that couldn't play for anybody else, and that's kind of what you get. Yeah, I, 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 I hear people say they don't have much to throw to. I'm going to throw that out for a second because I just don't know if you have a quarterback. I don't know if you have an offense. I know we don't have an offensive line up the middle. I know we don't have a quarterback. Yeah. And let me just – I just got to point this out. You've got – Brandon Cooks, which is a consistent 1,000-yard wide receiver year in and year out. You've got Nico Collins, who I think is a good wide receiver. You know, I don't know if he's open all the time, but he doesn't need to be that open. He he can make catches in traffic. He He's tall. He's a guy that if you give him a shot, which Davis Mills and Kyle Allen, they don't know how to give a, a, a wide receiver a shot at the football, maybe when there is a guy on him, by making it a jump ball pass. Yeah. And Jordan Akins, I just want to say this about Jordan Akins. Yeah, he had the fumble, led to the touchdown, maybe tried a little bit too hard to make something happen. He runs into two guys, the ball gets knocked loose. But I'm going to throw that away because he was still out there, and he, he's out there fighting hard. The touchdown catch in the second half when he broke a couple of tackles was probably the most impressive run after a catch by a Texan player this season. Jordan Akins has come back with this team after being cut, not with his tail between his legs, but, man, the guy is giving you effort week in and week out. He's the best tight end on the roster at least as far as pass catching goes. And, you know, I don't know what Tegan Quateriano is. So the fact that this team doesn't have guys to catch the ball, Brandon Pierce, you can throw the ball to him and he can make, if you just get the ball to him and he's open a lot, you can get, you can make something happen. And I also have to say with Quateriano missing the games, you know, earlier this year and, and getting back into the flow of things, the injury bug that the Texans have had with the rotten luck with the rookie players, Mechie has cancer. Kenyon missed a ton of valuable time in training camp. Christian Harris has missed a ton of time in camp and during the season. He's out again. Stingley's out right now. I mean, these are all guys that look like they could be players at, at certain times this year when they have gotten a chance to play and they've been healthy and they've been on the field. Mechie, we don't know about, but we know that he's got potential. I mean, that matters a little bit, Sean, that you yeah. you, you just haven't had these guys with the health that you would like to, you know, in a season where you just want to see as many reps as possible with these guys, not to have them out there as much as they've been and to miss not just time, but valuable time, camp time. It, it's a big deal. 
no, those are tremendous points that you make, and that should get you excited um, for for next year, to be quite honest with you, because you're going to have a lot more uh, young, talented players coming into the system, presumably with an entirely new staff and a franchise quarterback, all presumably, of course. Um, of course, I, I think all of that should happen, but that should get you excited. You know, I think Christian Harris is going to be a good player. I think Tegan Quatoriano um, you know, has shown a lot of promise uh, to be kind of like a total package, uh, kind of a tight end, you know, good blocker, good pass catcher, a uh, guy that can run a little bit. I think he could be very much like a Jordan Akins, be strong through contact and things like that. And what better of a guy right now in this particular situation, two of them really, do you have to learn from in Jordan Akins and OJ Howard, um, if you're Tegan Pretoriano. So, I mean, yeah, I'm excited a lot about uh, some of the young players. And yeah, you make great points. I mean, there are dudes to throw the ball to, but the system is not allowing for it. The route concepts are not allowing for it. I mean, one of the most sickening things I think came on the the last or second to last Texan drive, um, you know, this game where Allen was his second and final interception. What was that by Brandon Cooks? I mean, what sort of horrible, dumbass route concept is that where he just flares open and you're going to leave the corner and the high safety on a solo receiver. And Allen's already going to be under pressure when you're trying to throw deep down the field more than 20 yards. And he has to heave the ball, dead duck, intercepted, easiest play ever. I mean, that was almost an easier interception to have than Jalen Petrie missed last week against Washington on the first drive of the game by uh, the commanders. You know, your job, if you're an offensive coordinator, a passing game coordinator, you're going to use your best receiver as a decoy to stand at the line of scrimmage. Not even not even a delay or a quick slant or a crossing route to even give the safety a millisecond of thought to go through his head that, oh, crap, let me bite down. Forget about that deep third over there. No, it was an effective two-on-one, and it's just – you talk about not putting guys in position to be successful. This coaching staff, by design, was not put in position to be successful. These players are not being put in position to be successful by this coaching staff. It is a trickle-down effect. And I firmly believe that there are some good coaches on this staff, but they will not be around um, you know, going forward because you're going to have an entirely new offensive coordinator that will bring in his guys, a head coach that will bring in his guys, and a year from now, we're going to be talking about a bright future, I, I, I think. But you got a long way to go. It's just unfortunate because I had a conversation with my wife earlier. She's like, man, you're doing these players a disservice because they're out there every day busting their butt, you know, trying to learn. And it's like, yeah, you know what? You're right. That's the business of the NFL. And it takes a lot of guys a long time to figure that out. And it does suck. And that's why you do make a quarterback change because the players want hope. They want to win. And it takes a day like today maybe to realize that, you know what, you don't have the dudes to do that. You don't have the dudes that are that you think can get you close. Or two weeks ago when you were spitting the noise to the media that, hey, man, we're close, we're close. No, you're not. Today's a, a defining moment for them in that regard. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up, Pat, because, look, you know, we don't think the Texans have the talent. I've said it here today. I've said it in the past. There's no doubt about that. Um, Davis Mills is not the guy. Kyle Allen is not the guy. But like I said, I, I, I do not think there is some talent on this. Uh, I said that the wrong way. I, I think there's talent on this team in, in spots. But the issue is when I watch this offense is I don't know what to make of them because they're the concepts you saw, you talked about the route stuff, but it's the play calling when, the things that they do do successful work, they don't go back to them. The play-action pass should be absolutely what you start off with if you're going to throw the ball. You don't start off running the ball two times in the game with Damian Pierce as much as I like Damian Pierce because that's exactly what the other team is gearing up for. It's the, it's the, it's the screen passes. It's the lack of when you watch a, a Dolphin team and you see they spread things out. There's movement. There's misdirection. There's all these sort of things. There's stuff that happens extremely quick that they go to boom, boom, boom. When the quarterback gets the ball, he goes back to pass. The ball's gone. And with yeah. the Texans, nothing happens fast. Everything happens slow. There is no misdirection. When you run screen passes that my grandmother know is coming 
And they're, they're, they never fool anybody with the screen. They run screen passes at the wrong time. You run screen passes, you know, inside the other team's 20-yard line. That's not going to work because there's such little space there. Guys are jammed up against the line of scrimmage. They're running screen passes on a first and 10. You haven't even pushed the, the secondary back, pushed the linebackers back yet. At least run something where you at least push them back before you run the screen so the screen has some trick to it. Because if the screen is just, I'm going to throw to, to Brandon Cooks immediately, I'm going to throw to Nico Collins or whoever at the line of scrimmage when nobody's moving back, then how how is you're, how are you getting any space for that? How are you making a right. play on something like that? And that's the stuff that like, it's so hard to judge a lot of the positions. I can judge the quarterback because I just don't see it. There's a lot that goes into that that you just don't see. But the, the, the guys elsewhere on this roster, I have a super hard time. And, and, and it would be easier as well for the offensive line if some of these things were going on. Because when there is misdirection, the, there's not defensive linemen and linebackers that can just load up and go, we know exactly what to do because we know what the Texans are going to do right here. It's, it's that obvious. Yeah, it, it's, it's extremely obvious. You know, it, it's very frustrating. It, it took me a long time, Robert, to – disclaimer – I'm not trying to pretend that I know more football than anybody because I learn still every day, you know, every Sunday. Um, I even I, I do play-by-play on high school football games to a little bit on the side. I learn something all the time when I'm around the game, okay? And I coached for uh, 10, 10, 11 years uh, doing it. So um, I, I just – it took me a long time to be comfortable with it and to get a grasp of, like, um, the offensive mindset and it's just so frustrating because you see the fundamentals that the Texans don't do well, you know, from a play calling or preparation standpoint. And it's it's hard for me to believe and just imagine, put yourself in those players' shoes who in large part have come from some very successful high school programs, very successful um, co- college programs that they've probably lost more games in a month time with the Houston Texans than maybe some of these young kids did, you know, in their high school and collegiate careers combined. <laughs> you know, and that's just fact. Um, this is the first time they're really going through these kind of adversities and being humbled this way. When you sell to a professional athlete, an NFL player, that Here's the game plan on a Wednesday. Let's go out and work on it. And Nico Collins said it a couple of weeks back, you know, we feel really good about the game plan on Wednesday and then Sunday happens. It's just mind boggling to me that, you know what, your 15 plays are scripted. Most teams do do that. And the Texans are one of those teams that do do that. And your first play of the game is just going to be a straight inside zone run up the middle to establish the run with no play action involved at all with no effort to make a defense, particular linebackers, the opportunity to think for a millisecond that this could be a pass. That brief little bit of hesitancy does not exist in the mind of Pep Hamilton. And that is a fireable offense. The guy would have been gone a long time ago if, in fact, this was not an organizational tank. And... He's going to be gone. The ideas, the concepts are going to be gone. You're going to have a new, young, probably bright mind in here with uh, exciting, explosive, creative offense like pretty much everybody else in the NFL and college is running these days. So there's that hope. But I'm just blown away by the lack of mild creativity from Pep Hamilton. It's, it's, really, it's really criminal, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I, it's amazing that he has a job in the NFL. But I, we've spent 29 minutes on the Texans. I, I need to go to something positive from this weekend just for a second. And it's Houston Sports Talk. So we do Astros and Rockets and all that stuff. And I apologize if you want to hear more uh, tears about the Texans. But I, I think I've, 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 done, I've, done my, I've, I've done my time on the Texans for today. And Sean has too. But look, the Rockets got two wins in a row for the first time this year. They're starting to look like a real team. I thought they started to look like a real team against Golden State. Uh, They played a really good game. Uh, Steph and Clay were just going off like they were vintage Steph and Clay, where they might have won that game. But, Sean, you know, I talked about this with Frank from the start of the year. I said, yeah, there's a lot that's going wrong with the Texans. 
But man, if Jalen and Jabari start looking like the guys that you drafted top three in the draft and, and look like st- start looking like stars, and Jalen has at times this year, and then he had a bad streak, but he's starting to pick it up again. And those two guys, the reason you got them is even with issues, you know, stars make your team better in the NBA. They lift you up and they make you more competitive and make you win games just by having good nights. And, you know, I think people need to understand that this Oklahoma City win the other night, look, that was a schedule loss for Oklahoma City. People don't understand this, but they had that was their fourth game in six nights. The Rockets played two games in their last six nights. And I know they were second of a back-to-back, but so was Oklahoma City. But they were playing four and six. They couldn't hit the broad side of the barn. But the bottom line is for three straight games, Jabari has looked really, really good. He's starting to throw up 20 and 10s. He's starting to make three-point shots. And Jalen Green, and we've said it from the start, I have talked about this ad nauseum, Jalen Green does not become a star unless he learns how to facilitate. And he is starting to get six assists on the rag. He had nine assists in this last game. That is very important. Part of it is guys are making shots, but part of it is he's starting to figure it out, Sean. Yeah, I, I, I think he is. I think the guy's going to be an absolute star in the league. I think the, the Rockets have a number of those guys that, that can play for anybody. And you're starting to see um, over the course of the last two, two and a half games, really, um, them come together and play some team basketball. I, I thought the other night against Atlanta when uh, Deontay Murray and Trey Young are just at will, just dominating Houston. I mean, I think it was Deontay Murray who threw up that three and then Pat, um, was it Smith or Green on the head? I can't remember who he, it was. He patted Jabari on the head and then right? Jabari – and at the at the first time out said I, I ain't taking that he and you know what space. that is exactly what this team needed you know because you have they needed that you're testing them you you want to see if they have any nuts about them any any you know, I told you this like you know who's got that piss and vinegar in them to you know just kind of fight back and where's that energy from um you saw that the rockets responded and I think that victory, to be able to get that win like they did the other night, that was the first time, to be honest with you, all season long that I stayed engaged from tip to the final buzzer. I mean, I was I was pumped. That was a tremendous win for the Houston Rockets. And you never know what a win like that can do to a team. And then they come back out and they play like they did against Oklahoma City. Took very care of the ball. They shot the ball well. They assisted well. I mean, they look like they've been playing together for years. In that took, took care of the ball might be an overstatement since they had about twenty. I think they had twenty three turnovers in that game. They're still oh, they had, the ball over like crazy. The, that the way that they turned the ball over against Atlanta was just egregious, and even against Golden State. I mean, just the stupidity of some of the turnovers. At least against Oklahoma City, yeah, okay, the turnover numbers were there. I'll give you that one. I mean, that's inarguable, but. The opportunities that they were trying to take advantage of with some of those passes that they've made, I mean, I'm not going to take anything away from what a young team is trying to do to, uh, you know, make things happen in a game. When you smell blood, you go for the jugular. And I thought that's what they were really trying to do with a lot of those, um, you know, passes and you know, look, some of them, yes, they're still young, they're learning, and they've got to understand when to pull the ball back or just when you know what. Take advantage of the numbers and attack the basket. You know, Ryan, Ryan Hollins, I, I love that guy, but he's been saying the same thing all season long, and I'd want to see more of it. And I think over the course of the last couple of games, you're starting to see it. These guys are looking to go to the rim more and create some contact and get to the free throw line. Good things will happen that way, especially when your shot's not falling. For the Rockets the last two nights, uh, the last two games, the shots have kind of been falling too. But where does it start? when they're attacking the basket and they get in the flow of the uh, offense and they're able to get a good defensive stop. I, I just think, you know, what would we start the season with? Like over under was set at what? Uh, like 21, 22, 23 like and a half was the over under. It's a horrible start, but I'll tell you what I, I said, I think it was a lock to surpass that. And I still kind of believe that I think they kind of hit their stride and they got like three tough games coming up back to back against Denver and Phoenix, two of the better teams in the Western conference. But if you can get a split with Denver and get a little revenge and play better 
just against Phoenix, give yourself an opportunity to win late. So I think Phoenix was one of only like five games that really that got away from the Rockets this year. I think they'll be hungry uh, here in the next few nights when they play Phoenix again because they've their confidence has been renewed. So I'm excited to see what this team can do and see how uh, Silas can keep this team responding just based off of, you know, what happened the other night against Atlanta because sometimes that's enough juice to keep a team going for the next week or two, and they can build off of that. The other thing that they've got to figure out is they got to figure out a consistent lineup. And that's been my most frustrating thing yeah. with Silas is that he doesn't seem to know from night to night who he's going to go to. And I get it. There's a lot of young guys and you're, but there, there are certain players that it just seems like he doesn't know what to do with. He hasn't figured out. And I figured out and all the fans have figured it out. We kind of know who these guys are. And look, this Eric Gordon situation, Raphael Stone's got to figure it out. Like, you got to get him off the roster. And the longer it takes, and I guess they're trying to get something, but they can't get what they want for him. And at some point, it's too bad. You know, you you you, you missed an opportunity maybe to get a first-round pick or get something for him a year or two ago. And maybe you're going to have to give him away for a lot less than you want. But frankly, a late first-round pick, most years would be the most that you would get from, from a, for a veteran like him. And so if you don't get that late first round pick, okay, you know, but move on. Don't screw up your entire development and which is what they're doing by playing him instead of Kenyon Martin, who's been fantastic. He had 23 and 15 against the Hawks. And because you're starting Eric Gordon the next night, he got 14 minutes. That's a problem. Yeah. And, no. and, and Kenyon Martin has played well enough this year to yes. say, let's see what he can do at the small forward position. And, and either Stone or Silas, whoever is responsible, like you need to tell Eric Gordon, we're going to put you back in a reserve role. You can be a guard coming off the bench. We can get you 25 minutes there. And this this team, and I've said this from the start of the year, Dacia Nix is not the answer, okay? So enough with Dacia Nix. Eric Gordon can eat those Dacia Nix minutes and and be fine with that. And you could be fine and, and you'll live just fine with Eric Gordon playing instead of Dacia Nix. But the key is when Eric Gordon plays instead of Dacia Nix, it also means that Kenyon Martin plays instead of Dacia Nix. And that matters. And they've got to figure that out. And it's not just Kenyon Martin, but you can up the minutes of Tari Eason that's shown what he can do. And it also moves those two guys out of playing, maybe taking minutes away from your front court. Shane Goon, who's way better this year. And Jabari, who's Jabari? And, and, and you know, uh, Jade Gu or uh, Garuba, who's been fantastic. All of those guys that you want to play more minutes, the ripple down effect of not playing Eric Gordon at guard or just flat out getting him off the roster, it, it matters all the way down to your seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth guy, the guys that you drafted in the first round and you're trying to develop. Yeah, I, I preach, man. I don't disagree with that. I just think it's going to take a little bit of time, and I would be shocked if Eric Gordon's here beyond the trade deadline. Um, I think with a guy like that, you know what what he's hoping for is that look, he's going to do his time here and continue to try and you know mentor and help some of these younger players along, and I think that's what the Rockets wanted him to do. And you know, coming up ahead of the trade deadline, you try to move him, and if you can get him to a contender, and you get um, you know, probably, uh, I don't even know if it'd be a late first, man. It just kind of depends. But whatever they do get for him, I think it's going to be a situation where they want to give him the best opportunity to go somewhere and help a contender. And they're going to get something in return that Rafael Stone can at least parlay into a higher draft pick um, with some capital. But I, I Any, think it's gonna anybody that they get for him. Anybody that they get for anywhere he goes, you say yeah. go to a contender. Anywhere he goes, it's going to be nobody's going to trade for him that's not a contender, that's not better off right. than the Houston right. Rockets are. And the the thing about Eric Gordon is, if you wait till the trade deadline, that's still over two months away. Uh -huh. And again, this is valuable time. You want to see what these guys can do with more minutes because it helps in your decision making in the off season. The, the Texans, you can complain about a lot of things, but they are playing rookies. They're letting them fall on their face. 
If they work, they work. If they don't, they don't. But they're letting the young guys play. They're not saying, you know what, uh, Jerry Hughes, we got to get you off the field because we got some hot third-round pick that we just drafted. There is no third-round pick. So the veterans that are playing with the Texans are playing because there's nobody else. But the Rockets, they are not playing young guys because of Eric Gordon, and that's an issue. I understand that, and I'm just kind of speaking from what I – from how I think the organization's got to be operating. I mean, the longer you wait, the more valuable Eric Gordon becomes to a contending team that would be willing to trade for him um, in terms of what you would be getting in return if you're the Houston Rockets. And that's just the way that I think they're going to end up playing it. I mean, yeah, if Eric Gordon never plays another minute for this basketball team, and if that means you know more developmental minutes uh, for some of the younger guys, obviously it's a win-win. But then, too, you know, I always hesitate there because um, I, I do want to give, you know, the staff a little bit of credit. They because they, I just don't think they're stupid. I, I just think there's reasons behind, you know, what they're doing developmentally. If they're just trying to bring other guys along a little bit slowly, if they're keeping them on the roster because he is a big help behind the scenes. Um, and is important to the growth and development of some players back there. I just think it's going to be one of those situations where it's going to be a little bit more painful before, um, you know, you're relieved of uh, his duties. And the Rockets are going to wait, I think, right up until the last minute. And when they feel like they can get, you know, optimal value for him in return, then they'll they'll pull the trigger and make that move. I hear Stephen Silas say occasionally that Eric Gordon is a guy that, you know, is valuable because of his veteran leadership. I rarely, no, I've never heard the other young players say, you know what, Eric Gordon has helped me with this. And Eric Gordon has helped me with that. And Eric Gordon has done this. And I watch Eric Gordon as a player. He's not a vocal guy out on the court. He doesn't seem a vocal guy with the guys in the huddle. I don't see that. And if he is going to be a leader, leading by example does me no good, frankly, with 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 leadership from a veteran. I don't need a leader by example. Leader by example is fine when you've got other leaders that are already there that are leading vocally, but the Rockets don't have a necessarily perfect vocal leader right now. Not until Jalen and Jabari get the confidence where they can say, I, you know, this is what I think, and this is what we need to do. And you guys need to step up. So that's my thing with Eric Gordon. And it's not about, you have to get them off the roster. Like to me, Raphael Stone has got to realize Dacia Nix is not him, you know, to borrow the kid's phrase, he ain't him. I'm telling you, he ain't him. And he is not even good enough to be a backup. There is nothing that Dacian Nix does. And I keep saying this over and over again because I feel like the Rockets at some point might hear me. There's nothing he does that that is good. There's nothing. He is not good as an NBA player at anything. Now, th- that does that mean he's a bad ba- at basketball? No, but this is the NBA. This is the best of the best. And when you don't do anything great, I, I mean, I see this guy, he can't dribble all that great, even though he's supposed to be a point guard. He's, you know, he's a he's a decent shooter when the shot's open now, but it, he's not a knockdown shooter. He's not a guy that's like, you know, doing everything he can to get that open shot because he knows he can hit it. He's terrible at finishing around the basket. His defense is not good. His rebounding isn't good. I mean, it, he's a below average player at just about everything. If you want to say he's a average three-point shooter, okay. But that's it, okay? Being average at one skill is not good enough to be on an NBA court. The, e- even the backups, you've got to be great at something. you got to be great at shooting or rebounding or playing defense. You have to be great at one thing. That's what makes uh, you an NBA player, in my opinion, is you're great at one skill, even if you're not a superstar and great at multiple skills, Sean. That, that's just my feeling yeah. on that. No, and I get it. And look, the Rockets are another season away, uh, I think, before, you know, you're seeing the roster constructed that reflects, um, you know, those things. Um, they gave Dacia Nix every opportunity, you know, to get better. And I mean, look, we're still less than 20 games into this season. Um, and I'm sure there was probably some sort of timeline that they had on him. Um, and just like they do a number of these other players to, to, to show me something, to see what you can do. And that really does fall on Silas's shoulders as well, um, because as you mentioned, it's a, it was a great point, and you do need to start seeing some sort of consistency um, and continuity being built with these lineups. 
that he's putting out on the floor. You know, stick with something and let's see it develop. And Dacian Nix probably doesn't need to be a part of that. However, you know, I do struggle because with a guy like Dacian Nix, you know, I saw some stuff in him last year um, that that I really liked, and I, I thought, didn't. I thought <laughs> like, you know, especially in basketball with a guy like that. If you can find a role and accept it, it may not be here, but he could flourish elsewhere. And I, I just don't ever like quitting on players, you know, like that, especially with with that experience. The very little that Dacian Nix does happen with this team as it's gone through like the ebbs and flows. And so I would like to see him in a different system before I make a personal assertion on him. But um, I, I just don't think it works well here. And I think you're going to continue to see that over the course of this season with some guys um, that, you know what, they could be good young players, but not here. And what this Rockets team is missing right now is that vocal leadership, that veteran leadership in different areas and different facets and what Eric Gordon alone can bring you. And that's something that when, when you feel like this team is close this offseason, Hell, maybe even towards the trade deadline, to be quite honest with you, if they're able to get another guy or two in here that can maybe take this team to the finish and get into an offseason and into a training camp for next year when this team is looking like they're ready to be competitive, um, then I think we start to talk about like, okay, this team is getting a little bit closer. Okay, now we're starting to see some growth. Yeah, I don't see it, Dacian Nix. And I, it's not just that I don't see it physically. I don't see it mentally. He throws the ball away a lot. He's not out there hustling all the time. I mean, there's just nothing, zero, that I like about him as an NBA player. And I watched, the, I watched all of it last year. And I watched him during summer league. And I've watched him during preseason this year. And I've watched him during the regular season. And I want these guys to do well. It is not personal against anybody. But I'm sorry, Dacian Nix is not an NBA player and quit trying to make him an NBA player, especially when you can move Eric Gordon to the backcourt and let Kenyon Martin, who, by the way, wants to stay here, but he's not going to want to stay here forever if you don't play him when he's putting up a 23 and 15, when you give him a chance to start and he's playing as well as he has and he's affecting winning when you look at plus minus on the Rockets. That guy is at the top of anybody that's getting any sort of real minutes it's Kenyon Martin. So, like, this guy deserves to play more. And and you can't, at the expense of Dacian Nix and Eric Gordon, who's not even going to be here in a couple of years, you can't undermine all that uh, that you got from Kenyon Martin after stealing him in the second round by not playing him because of those yeah. guys. You just can't do it. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a great point. You know, but it's it, it's a lack of consistency because all those things that you just mentioned, particularly Dacian Nix, are things that I thought, you know, he showed promise in at one time or another, in particular last season. Um, I don't recall Summer League. I'm sure I was looking really more at uh, Smith and Summer League and Tari Eason and uh, uh, some other guys at that point in time. But, boy, I just I took a lot of notes on Knicks. And, you know, I talked to my brother, uh, you know, Ali Khan about, about Knicks. And he told me, you know, look, the Rockets are really high on him and they're going to give him an opportunity. And so I really started to pay attention to him. And it's just a lack of consistency, Robert, because all those things that you talk about with him being careless with the basketball and, you know, not showing that heart hustle. Look, I didn't see that a lot from anybody really with this Rockets team last year. But, you know, and that's where you really want a guy like Eric Gordon to kind of, you know, help these guys grow. But we hadn't seen that to this point. It's just going to come from within with these younger guys. But it's just about being consistent. And you gotta you gotta find whatever it is to come out with that energy every single night. And that's what a lot that's what makes or breaks a lot of these younger players. They're all talented. They all have that one thing, but can they do it within a team concept? And I think it, it's been incredibly difficult to do when you talk about what didn't didn't happen last year. This year, we're supposed to start seeing this. This is why Silas still has a job is because you're supposed to go from development to creating a little bit of chemistry and continuity and team basketball and togetherness. And I think we maybe, you know, 18, 19 games into the season right now, if it's if it's even for a flash, we're starting to see that. Now, how can they bottle that up and put that out there for a 48-minute game every single night? That's on Silas. 
Yeah, we'll we'll see what uh, they continue to do because you know I I've been very critical of them, um, but you know if they turn it around, I'll I'll be the first to tell you maybe I was wrong. Maybe all of his genius was <laughs> happening behind the scenes and it and it all came together at the right time. And look, you know, like I said, and I I'm going to repeat it over and over again because it's worth repeating. If Jalen and Jabari are stars and they start playing like stars. Like it doesn't, a lot of other things just don't matter. You can have bad coaching, but if you have star players, it sometimes overtakes that. It's going to matter in the end when you get good enough to be in the playoffs and you're trying to win a championship. And, and you know, that's one of the things that I'm concerned about with Silas because there's a lot of little things that I just, I worry about him yeah. when I watch this team play, but it's going to matter. But let's uh, close it out. Because uh, we've we've done like 20 minutes, almost as much as we've done on the Texans, and um, they're worth more than the Texans these days. But uh, yes, we would talk some Rocket basketball, man. That's what I'm excited about going forward. Yeah, we're going to talk some more Rockets uh, during the. week. I'm hoping to get Frank on again this week to talk a little bit about the Rockets as well, uh, and and keep us up to date as well with everything that's going on with the Texans. Is Sean who's going to be out at the NRG Stadium every single day for Sports Radio 610? So. He'll have updates on all that. I'm sure Lovey's going to tell him as soon as he's decided that he no longer wants to coach the Texans. Uh, he'll tell Sean about it first person. But uh, no, we're going we're gonna to find out what's going on out there and keep you guys up to date. But thanks again to everybody that's listening, staying with the show through all of this. Uh, you're you're going to be there on the ground floor with the Texans. That's for sure. We're, we'll keep you up to date on everything that's going on. And and hopefully it'll be a little bit more exciting next week with Deshaun Watson coming to the building next week, Sean. I can't Deshaun. wait. To, can't wait to see all the memes on uh, Twitter and Facebook and social media this week uh, with Deshaun. That's going to be fantastic stuff. Um, once again, disclaimer, I will not be a part of that craziness um, and going into the Browns locker room or at the podium. I'll be in the Texans locker room, but I'm sure we'll have plenty of react uh, leading up to and the aftermath of Deshaun Watson and the Browns invading NRG. It should be a circus. Looking forward to what's going to happen with all that next week. Looking forward to talk to you guys in the next couple of days as uh, we, we start having some guests this week and going into the post game next week. And uh, we'll talk to you real soon. Take care, everybody. Have a good rest of your weekend. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.